0: All right, all right. Hey, Rockbridge, welcome. Thanks so much for uh, joining us for part two of our sermon series, Decide Now. So however you're joining us, some of you may be watching online or on some kind of device or one of our six locations. Doesn't matter, you're here, not by accident. So we started a new series last week called Decide Now, and here's here's the premise of the series. You know, there's predictable things that are going to happen every year, right? The calendar says it's time to go to vacation. we got to celebrate birthdays, anniversaries. we got exams coming up. Up, we got games coming up. And we've decided in advance that we're going to buy the gift, take the trip. We've decided in advance we're going to celebrate with a meal, celebrate with gifts. And we said, hey, there's some patterns that God brings in front of us, some crossroads moments that are predictable from scripture and how God moves and how God works within his people. So what if we decided now? That when we get to those moments where God's clearly working, God's clearly moving, that we said yes, that we cooperated, and that we moved with him. So that's the premise of of the series, and we said we're going to have a core verse that kind of captures one of the themes, and and our core verse that we're maybe trying to memorize is is John 3.30. So I want to ask you to do this wherever you're watching, if you're able to. Would you stand with me, and then we're just going to read this. Go ahead. You can stand in all of our venues. Stand with me right now, honoring God word and then just kind of inviting this truth to come into our minds come into our hearts we're going to say it together all together here we go he must increase but I must decrease let's pray together God I pray that over all of us here however we're watching however we're engaged God let us not miss the movement where you want to bring more of Jesus Christ into us but to do that God we got to get out of the way so Lord we need your help because we come in here God with hurt, with ego, with preference, with tradition, with just junk, with self and God we just need to push that down to see your son rise up so Lord, by your spirit, for your glory be here and increase in your name we pray amen thank you thank you you can uh, you can uh, ha- have a seat so Anyway, so I'll tell you a story kind of about, uh, and while I'm telling the story, you can kind of get to John chapter four, John chapter four in in the scriptures, but uh, that's where we're gonna hang out. Let's tell you a story about kind of how Beth and I started dating, right? We've known, we knew each other since like fourth grade or so. My dad coached her brother in football. We were in like Sunday school together, then school together, yada, yada. And then she goes off to school in in Birmingham. I go off to the the Naval Academy and then uh, I, I get assigned to a ship out of Mayport, Florida. Of that's kind of Jacksonville area, and we were getting ready to go on deployment, uh, six-month deployment overseas, <clears throat> and we were like the first battle group in the Navy to get what we might call regular real-time email, and this was like the late 90s, okay? And so I was on leave getting ready to deploy overseas. And it was in the fall, so I did kind of what every guy, you know, around here does. In the fall, you go see high school football. It's Friday night, right? And uh, so I'm at a high school football game. I mean, that's just part of my story. My dad was a coach. I played, whatever. And Beth's uh, parents' tickets were kind of right behind my parents' tickets at this particular game. And uh, Beth happened to be there at the game. Um, And so we started talking. And it's probably the first time in the history of my life... I didn't watch the football game. I talked to Beth. And, uh, and, and Beth every now and then says, hey, can history repeat itself? Can you talk to me? And I'm like, not when Georgia's about to win the Natty. Come on, right? Uh, you know I had to throw that in there, right? And, uh, but anyway, anyway, so, we're, uh, so, so we connect. I, I give her my email, and then the rest is history. And, and the, the, the crazy thing about it is, When I went to that game on that Friday night, I went to watch a football game. I didn't go to reconnect or connect with my future wife. And so what you and I need to understand and we're going to see in scriptures is this. Sometimes we get put in places and we get put in positions and we're there for reasons and purposes beyond what we originally thought. That, that, we, we, that God put us there or God did something or moved something, and it's bigger than we thought. It's more than our minds can fathom, and there's something we need to do in those moments. When we recognize those moments, there's a decision we need to make, and, and we're going to decide now. And and that's the premise today as we navigate through a passage of Scripture in John chapter 4. And we're going to see a lady have one of those moments where she thinks she's somewhere for one reason, but God clearly has her there for another. We'll We'll meet ourselves in this story as well. So we read the Word of God together. So Jesus leaves this region called Judea and went again to Galilee, and he had to travel through Samaria. Now, the little Greek construction there kind of catches us off guard when we kind of get underneath it because really geographically and and the way the roads went, so to speak, he didn't have to go through Samaria. So what this this is implying is that God in his sovereignty knows there's a divine appointment that he needs to keep and he's got to make. This is Jesus. He's God in the flesh. So he's going through Samaria because he's got a purpose beyond, on just getting to Galilee. So it's God working, right? And so we came to a town of Samaria called Saqqar near the property that Jacob had given his son Joseph. This is the same location as Shechem, which we talked about last week in part one. And if you're in, all, if you're in a physical venue, you see these rocks that are positioned there because we talked about a Shechem moment last week. That, what, that That is what our worship should be like. That is where God is calling us to greater commitment to him. So we're at the same geographic location as we were last week when we talked through that story. In Joshua 24 and it's near the property that Jacob had given his son Joseph so Jacob's well was there and Jesus worn out from his journey so we see Jesus in his divinity that he knows he's got to go to keep a divine appointment and we see Jesus in his humanity which is amazing right because he's physically tired from his journey and he sits down at the well a woman of Samaria came to draw water. So she is in this location because of a physical necessity. She needs to get water. And Jesus engages her and he says, give me a drink because his disciples had gone on into town to buy food. And she says, how is it that you, a Jew, Ask for a drink for me, a Samaritan woman. And there's so much stuff going here. There's racism going here. There's ethnic differences going here, religious differences going on here, gender differences, because a Jewish man would never talk to a woman, a rabbi at least, never talk to a woman, much less a Samaritan, because they have differences of faith and ethnicity and religion. So this is kind of like segregation, and we just don't talk, we don't share water, we don't share communication, we don't share anything. And the Son of God crosses all those barriers with one conversation. Racial, religious differences, gender differences, and he initiates a conversation with this woman. For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. So what's going on here is what I just want to call the what we what we would call the providence of God. I I think there's probably a lack of understanding of the providence of God going on in our world today because you know we sort of either believe you know God doesn't get that involved in everything or we believe you know what God's just sort of up there and I, and he's sort of maybe loosely involved or or maybe you kind of live like God's this watchmaker right the the people that made this watch once they make it they have nothing else to do with it right so God made God made me, God made the world, but you know, everything just rolls and moves according to kind of some plan. And the providence of God, the story that we just read teaches us the exact opposite. The providence of God, here's a loose definition, God's active involvement in guiding his creation and his story toward his purposes. So God is actively involved in details and and, and the providence of God combines his sovereignty. I had to go. He had to go this way to get to to get to Galilee. And it also includes our choices. She came just to get water and those two intersect and and it's a sweet spot of the activity of God. So so the providence of God, let me put this in kind of everyday terms. It means there's no accidents or coincidences. The providence of God means every day you're drawing breath is ripe with opportunity. Every, every interaction, everything you do, no matter how trivial, you go to the grocery store, she just goes to get water, is ripe with holy, divine potential for God to move. Now, just stop for a second. You may not believe anything I'm saying. You may not, you know, I'm at, I don't even, whoa, whoa, that's crazy. Listen, stop, just imagine. If you believed, you went where you went, you knew who you knew, and all of that had purposes way beyond anything you could imagine. I went to a football game, met my wife. She goes to get water, and the Son of God starts talking to her. So here's the decide now number two. We're part two of this series, and here's the decision. When you see God working, cooperate and participate. When you see God working, cooperate and participate. Now, here's a couple of things. We're going to work on, well, how do we see God working? We're going to work on that. But by faith that God works through providence, even when I don't see, don't feel, don't think God is working, he is. And by faith, let's believe it and let's start living with an expectancy and, okay, say, okay, I believe God's working. I believe there's this thing called providence, his sovereignty, my choices, his actions in my life. And I want to cooperate and participate. So we're going to work on that. And we're going to unpack that. All right, because here's what this story tells us just about Jesus. All right. Who is God? It tells us a couple of things. One, he's graciously and relentlessly relational. He's graciously and relentlessly relational. He's gracious because he wants to relate to people that we we don't deserve to have a relationship with him. It's kind of why the woman was taken aback. He's relentless in his relational pursuit. You're going to see that pan out in the story. And he's also graciously purposeful. That God's purposes for you and I are not contingent upon you and I deserving to be a part of his purposes, number one, and they're not contingent upon you and I even understanding fully all of his purposes for us. We're like her. She's just going to get water. There's a purpose in that. God's got a bigger purpose. Like me, I'm just going to watch a football game in 1998. I didn't go to meet my wife and reconnect with my wife, but I'm wearing a ring right now and she's my wife. She's bigger than that. It's bigger than that, it's who he is. So hopefully as we navigate through this, God will give us eyes to see so we can participate and cooperate with what God is doing. So let, let's, let's stop for a second and ask ourselves a tougher question. Why do we miss God? Ever thought about that? Because I, I read this one time and I, and I find it so true in my life, right? That God is everywhere, God is active, God is working. What's lacking on our part is awareness, is awareness. And so here's a couple of, here's about three reasons. And we'll see this story kind of obliterate and remove all these reasons. The first one is I think we minimize or we miss providence. We minimize providence when we think, man, I'm just going to get water today. I'm just going to a football game. I'm just going to work. We minimize providence. Or maybe sometimes we're so busy, so distracted that we've got our agenda that we're not receptive to any other agenda, and so we miss God. I think another reason, and the woman tried to do this is we disqualify ourselves from interacting with God. We disqualify ourselves from joining God. I I can't talk to you. You're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. You're a man. I'm a woman. We've got differences of race and religion and gender. We don't associate with each other. There's some of you listening to me, (coughs) and you're like, I don't think God's got a purpose for me, and you've disqualified yourself. See Jesus he's willing to cross every barrier and every bridge and every obstacle to relate he's relentless and then sometimes we disqualify god right we're like ah, you know god's kind of he's interested in big stuff no he's interested in a samaritan woman who's going to get water on a hot middle eastern day right and then third i think sometimes there's ignorance just don't know how god works And then sometimes there's resistance. And what I pray is that through this story, as we navigate forward through this story, all of these reasons for you and I to miss God go away. So you can decide now. When you see God, cooperate and participate. So they had this interaction, and Jesus is talking to her, and she says, hey, we're not supposed to talk to each other, and then Jesus answered, and he gives this incredible invitation. It's ripe with an analogy or metaphor, and here's what he says. He goes, listen, if you knew the gift of God, that's grace. God's going to give you something you don't deserve, and who it is saying to you, give me a drink. So he points to his identity as the Messiah, the Savior, You would ask him and he would give you living water. And there's a little play on geography and water. So she's at Jacob's well. So that water is kind of just down at the bottom. You would get the picture. It's stagnant. It just sits there. And then there's this notion of vibrant stream, living, flowing, always full water. It's cleaner. It's purer. It never runs out. So he's saying, I've got something better for you. and, And this living water is what you really need. And he's, of course, talking about himself. He's talking about salvation. He's talking about soul satisfaction. So he's talking about something way bigger than just H2O, okay? Sir, the woman said, you don't even have a bucket and the well is deep. So where do you get this living water? She didn't understand. She, she's still thinking about H2O, and is talking about something way bigger and beyond that. You aren't greater than our father Jacob, are you? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and as did his livestock. And Jesus comes back and he says, listen, let's put it this way. And he keeps trying to talk to her, He's relentless. He says, if everybody who drinks from this water is going to get thirsty again, and going to have to come back. And he's just talking about a repetitive cycle of where we're looking for something to save us, define us, satisfy us, right? And then you know what that search is like. He, he's really not. He's talking about way more than H2O. You know what it's like to keep looking for happiness, to keep searching for peace, to keep trying to figure out who you are and why you're here. You and I know what it's like to keep drawing from the well, and the well just never, it just sort of makes you thirsty again, right? We know what that's like. We, many of us, that's our story. And so he's speaking to that. She still doesn't see it. She says, but whoever drinks from water that I give him will never thirst again, never get thirsty again. More than physical thirst, spiritual, existential, why am I here kind of thirst, right? In fact, the water I will give him will become a well of water springing up in him for eternal life. So he makes it really clear. We're not talking about biological life. We're talking about spiritual, eternal life. And then she Sort of gets it, but sort of doesn't. We're still fighting some ignorance. So the woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and come here to draw water. I'm interested in this water, but she's still associating it with the, the, the literal H2 water. Because remember, remember, she thinks she's there just to get water. Just like many of you, you think you go to work just to get a paycheck. Just like many of us, we think we go to Starbucks just to get coffee. We, some of us, we think we're in church, maybe just to say we went to church. And we're just not expecting anything bigger than what we need to survive a 24-hour cycle of a day. Isn't that true, right? Get me through the day. Get me through the week. TGIF, baby. When's my next vacation? And we just go through life, and we, we're sort of ignorant of providence. We're ignorant of what Jesus is offering. We're ignorant of that kind of stuff. And, and, and oftentimes, and we said this last week, it takes a crisis to get us out of that and say, you're thirsty for something more. And this is no crisis, though. This is just the communication of a message like we're doing here today. So the, 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 the navigation of this, uh, this conversation continues, all right? So Jesus comes, in, and, and so let me make a point. Let me make a point. We're at verse 16. After verse 15, Jesus never talks about water again. Why? Because it's not about water. I went to a football game. It wasn't about a football game. He never talks about it again. So he goes here because he knows something's clogging her ability to see and perceive clearly. We've got sight issues. We're dull. We're one decision away from stupid. Amen. We need help. And so Jesus says, hey, well, go call your husband. And he told her and come back here. And he said, I don't have a husband, she answered. And he goes, You said correctly when you said, I don't have a husband, Jesus said. For you have had five husbands, and the man you have, you now have is not your husband. What you said is true. Can you imagine that? You go to the grocery store, somebody walks up to you and says, Hey, let's talk about your sex life. Whoa. That's what he does. He knows everything. He knows it all. So he he goes there. Because it shows. What he's been talking about is like, you keep going back and looking for satisfaction in the guy, in your horizontal relationships. And you keep going back to the same well again, and something's not working. You know, it's like, you know, we can bounce around from job to job, relationship to relationship, pursuit after pursuit. And it's like, what are you really looking for? What are you really looking for? What are you really searching for? There's a thirst that hadn't been satisfied, that hadn't been quenched. And so you see the parallels. And you see the analogy. And so she goes, now she's like, whoa, I see that you're a prophet. You can see into my bedroom. Kind of scary, right? God knows everything. He knows everything. And and this sort of illustrates to me that there's kind of a couple of movements in life, right? There's just movements that our life correspond to. And what Jesus sort of identifies in her is this movement of frustration where we sort of go from one thing to the next, looking for fulfillment or identity or purpose. We're looking for something, and we're just unsettled and restless in what I call the who and the why. The, the who am I, and why am I really here? And that's, and that's the thirst that sort of Jesus is kind of trying to whet her appetite to grab a hold of. But we're unsettled and restless. There's another word for it lost, lost. And, and, and this happens to us sometimes, but, but, but it's a condition where it's like, man, I, I'm just looking for who I am. I'm just looking for why I'm here. And, and maybe I'll find it. And you can think about the woman at the well. Maybe I'll find it in husband number one. Maybe it'll be in number two, maybe number three. Maybe I won't even get married. And I'll just go hook up and shack up. And he's like, is that working for you? And I think there's those moments where we're like, man, what I've been looking for to satisfy this deep living water spot in my soul, I just hadn't found it. And then there's this movement that Jesus is inviting her, inviting us into, and it's a movement of life uh, or it's a movement of faith where we're going to God and we're confident, stable, and settled in the who and the why. Yeah, we need to be reminded of that refocused on that refreshed in that renewed in that but it's settled we're not lost we know who we are we know why we are and nothing listen listen, listen, and nothing can take it away death can't a pandemic can't nothing can take it away it's settled stuff And that's the hope, the power, the joy that we have that's offered to us that's called Christianity, that's called living water. Settled movement of faith. Not marked by frustration, but marked by faith that's fresh, that is full of vitality. And how does Jesus invite her into this movement? It's the message he gives her and he uses this living water kind of analogy, but it's this message of who he is. It's this message. Remember, he said, if you knew who it was talking to you, it's this message of who Jesus Christ is that creates the movement. Now, here's what I would say to y'all, and this is where we kind of have a soul check, gut check conversation, right, with us and the Holy Spirit in this moment, in this service, right? Shechem's here, right? Is what message are you listening to that's creating movement in your life. And is it a message marked by frustration or is it a message filled with the hope and the joy and the peace that comes from fresh, vital faith of the God who is offering us living water? And, And what I find so ironic, and not ironic, it's so God, it's so amazing, is Jesus's message to her is not what sometimes we might think it is in our religious mindset. The message is not you know, sin is wrong, do better. That's not what he, he just, he tells her what her sin is. Look, you've had five and you got this guy you're living with now. He, that's wrong, but he's like, go, just go do better and all your problems will be solved. He says, no, his, the message is more like this. Sin is wrong and I am. Jesus, I'm better. I'm better than sin. I'm a better satisfier of thirst than six husbands or five husbands and one live in. I'm a better satisfier of thirst than money than power. I'm a better satisfier of thirst than whatever it is you're pursuing right now. That's what Jesus is saying to her. It's the message that's designed by God to create this movement in our soul to move toward Him, like we move toward what to get water, but it's to satisfy a deeper thirst. And then notice what now here, here's what she does. Now, now we've now her ignorance is gone. She says, I see you're a prophet. So she knows. She is not talking about a mere man, and she knows this little conversation here at the well is way bigger and way beyond just getting water from a well, source, from a source. Now, what, here's what she does. She says, well, let's talk about worship. She says, our ancestors worship on this mountain, but you Jews say that the place to worship is in Jerusalem. Notice what she, you ever had, you ever talk to somebody about God and they get real quickly nervous and disinterested, like you're sharing someone like, well, what about the dinosaurs? I'm not talking about the dinosaurs. I'm talking about Jesus. What about evolution? I'm not talking about evolution. I'm talking about Jesus. You know, we we're, we're kind of start resisting. We kind of start deflecting. I don't want to talk about that. Hey, let's talk about the problems that you're having in, in your marriages. No, I don't want to go there, God. I don't want to go there, God. Hey, listen, your problem is not really alcohol. Your problem is something that alcohol is trying to satisfy and it ain't working for you. I don't want to talk about that. But God has a way of going there, doesn't he? Hey, I'm going to put my finger on that thirst that's in your soul that you won't admit, that you don't want to talk about, and you sure don't want to talk about how you're trying to satisfy that thirst in an illegitimate way. But we're gonna put, I'm, God's going to put his holy, gracious, fing, purposeful finger on it, and God is relentless. I have times in my life, had one a couple weeks ago, where God just put his finger on me and said, Matt, you haven't done this yet. We haven't moved. God, can we talk about something else? It's about to be a new year. George is about to play in the college football. No. We need to talk about this. So she goes, well, let's talk about worship. Let's talk about where we worship, okay? You know, that's that's important, right? And and so what we see is she goes from ignorance to resistance. One, the the first ignorance is she doesn't know why she's there. The second is resistance. She doesn't want to be there for the reasons God has her there. So you're going to be somewhere in 2022. And God's providence has you there for a reason and a purpose. And so I want us to eliminate the ignorance behind it. And that, you know, don't believe, Let's believe by faith in providence. But we also need to kind of understand that we're gonna be, we can be resistant. And sometimes you're there, God, I just want to get water. God, ah, I'm not going to talk about water anymore. All right. I'm in New York City, Beth. you know, diagnosed with leukemia, going through treatment. I'm, st- I'm sitting beside her bed. You know, it's just an incredibly a roller coaster emotional time. I had one of the most powerful moments with God sitting in a hospital room in New York City. And, and, and he was speaking so clearly to me. And, through, and, and I reckon I was sitting there. She's best locked out on all this drugs and all this kind of stuff. And God was talking about something here. And I'm like, hey God, let's heal my wife. And, and at that moment, it was like, man, I'm bigger. I'm here for way bigger purposes than just to serve my wife in sickness. I thought we were going to New York City just to help her get over cancer. It's bigger than that. No ignorance and let's deal with the resistance. So, Jesus, because he's gracious, he's like, okay, we'll talk about worship. You want to talk about worship? We'll talk about worship. He says, Believe me, woman, an hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. Where we worship is not going to be important soon. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know because salvation is from the Jews. Jesus is a Jew. He's the Messiah, so he takes the conversation from where to who. But an hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, not in location or not by ethnicity. Yes, the Father wants such people to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. And the woman said to him, okay, This isn't about where. It isn't about what I've done. This is about who you are. And she says, I know the Messiah is coming who is called the Christ. When he comes, he'll explain everything to you. And Jesus tells her, I, the one speaking to you, am he. It's about me. It's about me. Revelation, you're not here to just get water. You're here to meet the one, the living water. And she has an aha moment. This adulterous, promiscuous, searching, seeking woman finds Jesus. Look what happens next. I love it. So good. So good. Then the woman left her water jar and went into town. And I'm like, whoa. Whoa, you came all the way this way to get water and you've forgotten about the water because it was never about the water. It was never about the football game. It wasn't just about your wife's cancer. It's about something bigger. And she goes and tells the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? And then look what happens. A revival breaks out in the least likely place. Nobody would ever have said, hey, the first revival is going to happen in Samaria. No, Samaria, no. They left the town, made their way to him. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of what the woman testified. So here's our application, church, all right? Let's decide now. Pay attention. Many of you, I'm praying. Listen, listen, listen. We talked about it last week. We talked about Shechem, these rocks symbolize. I'm praying that we all start coming to worship services, our corporate gatherings, or however you're engaging right now. And we've got six sites and our online folks. It doesn't matter. We worship in spirit and truth, right? Not just... Found by location. But what I'm praying is that we learn to pay attention to God in our hour or so together, that we learn to pay attention to God when we leave here, when maybe we go out to eat or something, that we learn to pay attention to God when we're sitting with our kids, that we learn to pay attention to God when we go to work, that we learn to pay attention to God when we, yeah, I'm just in this restaurant, you know, I'm here to eat. Maybe you're not. Maybe you're here to do something. Maybe that waitress needs something. I, I don't, that we would just learn to pay attention. So I just want to give you real quickly about four, three or four or five questions just to kind of tune your frequency, tune you to the right channel so we can sort of begin to look and see where or how God works. The first one is this, what message am I believing? See, if we're believing a message other than the main message that Christ is the living water, we're likely to go looking for wrong, the wrong stuff in the wrong place at the wrong time for the wrong reasons. So hear the message of who the Messiah, who Jesus is, and and understand that's the message that we believe and we walk out of here with. So let's get real practical. Here's a question maybe to help you. Where is God revealing to me that he is better than sin and my way? You know, we all got a way. The woman had a way. I go to get water around this time of day. The woman had a way. She had a sin pattern. God's always working to pull us closer to him. So where is that happening? Where is that happening? Eyes to see. We pay attention. How is God inviting me to trust and rest in him as my who and my why? How is God calling me out of anxiety or fear or stress or worry? How is God calling me out of trying to find my identity in what I do or what people say about me or what I have as a possession? How is God pulling me out of the whirlwind of chasing the world, of keeping up with the Joneses, of of getting stressed out about horizontal stuff that won't last forever? How is God inviting me to trust and rest in him as my who and as my why? Where do I need to be asking, what good can I bring about by pointing people to Jesus? That's what that woman did. I'm going to leave my water jar here and I'm going to go tell these men because they need to know. I found living water. You see, you know, what, you know what's easy for us to do is we wake up every day and we think, man, I hope everything goes my way today. What if we woke up every day and said, man, what good can I bring about today? What good, how can God use me? It just tunes us to a different frequency, doesn't it? Let's pay attention for that. Let's pay attention for that. And then here's the second thing we believe God's working. We've established a a theological, biblical fact called providence. We've seen Jesus being graciously relational, relentlessly relational, and graciously purposeful. There's a reason the Holy Spirit put this in the Scriptures, and we're talking about it thousands of years later, right? So, hey, church, let's pay attention, but let's, let's drop the resistance. You are not here by accident this weekend. You're here for a reason. You're here for a reason. And it maybe is bigger than the one you think. It's not about water. It's not about a football game. It's about living water. It's about Jesus Christ, Messiah, King, Savior, Lord, and his call upon all of us. So would we decide now, when we see God working, let's cooperate and let's participate. Some of you here right now, maybe, just maybe, by the grace of God, you recognize something. You've never had living water. You've never trusted Jesus with your sins. You've never taken him as your Lord and as your Savior. Decide now. Will you cooperate in what he's done for you? Will you say yes to him? Because, listen, he's already said yes to you. Let's pray together. God, if we just invite you here. Keep working in your people, God. Keep working through your word. Keep working through your spirit. God, let us give his eyes right now. God, give his eyes. God, give us eyes to see, ears to hear, how you're moving, how you're working. And, Lord, I I just want to thank you for this incredible thing called providence. I I, want to thank you, God, that so many times in my life I've been in places or had interactions that were way bigger than my original intention or my original plan. But, God, I also need to confess, and there's other people here, maybe they need to confess too, God, way too many times I've missed you. Or I've resisted you. Way too many times, my antenna has been tuned to the frequency of me, myself, and I. Way too many times, God, I've heard you or seen you clearly, and I've said, no, not now, not yet. So, God, maybe others need to join me in just confessing that sin to you, asking for your forgiveness and saying, God, today you have my yes. Today you have my attention. But you have my attention, God, without the resistance. So God, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your relentlessness in pursuing us to walk in your purposes. So God, have your way in every heart, every mind, every soul, listening, watching here today. And we thank you, God. No accidents, no coincidences, just you and your active involvement in moving us along in accordance with your plans and your purposes. We love you, Lord, because you first loved us, and we thank you for that love. It's in your name we pray. Amen.